And Lord, as we uh, come to your word this morning and just uh, wrestle through some different things and, and talk about some vision stuff, Lord, I pray that, um, that we too would find open doors in your hand of blessing and, and grace upon our church and upon the ministry here. Lord, we just pray that you'd speak to our hearts now this morning uh, from your word. God, we come to you with open hearts and ask for your spirit to just um, make the word of God come off the page to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, how many of you guys were at the Christmas dinner last Sunday night? That was awesome, eh? That was a good, good evening, a good meal, and great, great help in the kitchen, and appreciated everybody that was involved with that and, and helping out, and uh, man, yeah, just an awesome time. So thanks, guys. Good job. And uh, I was thinking, actually, Sunday morning last week, I had, I had shared uh, that I was going to be just sharing some vision stuff this morning. Looking ahead to this week and encourage you guys just to come out and uh, hear a little bit about what I wanted to talk about. And uh, so Sunday night, I get, to the, I get to the dinner and Ross is there and we're yapping and he says, uh, we've been trying to guess what you're going to talk about on Sunday morning. And he says, we got three guesses. I said, well, let's hear them. Let's hear the guesses. And so he said, uh, we got a new church building. I said, no, that's not it. He says, uh, Lisa's pregnant. I said, no, that's not it. <laughs> not going to happen. My baby's about to turn eight. He says, you're leaving. I said, no, that's not it. So I said, I, I said no, the Lord's put something on my heart where I think we should be going and working towards as a church. You seen these little signs around the, around the room this morning? You see them in a little blue circle? There's a word in the middle of it. It's Greek. Does anybody know what that word is? It's all Greek to you? It's koinonia. The word is called koinonia. And so this morning I want to talk a little bit about koinonia. There's a spider right there coming down, getting in the way. Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about koinonia. And we're going to kind of move uh, around from some different texts while I just lay a little bit of groundwork uh, this morning. But um, Ross's comments remind me of a great story that I love. It's about John Fawcett. John Fawcett was a pastor in England in the 1700s. In 1765, he took his first pastoral spot. He was sent to this tiny little hurt in town called Waynesgate. Uh, the people were poor. He was poor. They plugged away. They loved one another. They shared fellowship with one another. That's what the word koinonia actually means. It means fellowship. Actually, I'll talk a little bit more about that, but, but fellowship. And they just, as a church, as the pastor with the people, they diligently loved one another, served the Lord in the midst of that community, and it was a tough slug. And so the day came after about seven, or seven years or so that John had been pastoring this church that he got an invitation, come to London. He had become a doctor, and it was like, come pastor this big church. And so him and his wife deliberated over the thing, prayed over it. They decided, man, it's time to go. So they get the wagon together. They're loading their stuff onto the wagon, and different members of the church are coming, and they're saying, you know, reconsider. We plead with you. Don't go. And there's tears, and it's hard to say goodbye and all that stuff. And, and finally, you know, just touched by the outpouring of the love of the church, Mr. and Mrs. Fawcett began to to weep and cry, and John's wife said to him, you know, I, I just can't bear this, and John said, the Lord's spoken to me, unload the wagon, 
We're staying. And you know, I was just thinking about that. It was just the beauty of fellowship and the love between God's people that held him there as, as he ministered. That's what kept him going. You know, John chapter uh, 13, verse 34 and 35, Jesus said this. You can flash that up there, Calvin. Just leave it up there if you wouldn't mind. A new commandment I give you to love one another. That you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Look, we know this. The essence of the, Christ, the Christian life is love. First directed towards our Father in heaven and His Son, Jesus Christ. We love God. But then, you know, that, that is the vertical plane of our relationship with the Lord. But then there's a horizontal plane, and it's this. You love people. The two greatest commandments, Jesus said, right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, your sec- and the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. We love God, and then we're to love people. And love is all about relationships. Lo- love is about fellowship. We fellowship and have relationship with God, and therefore we learn to have fellowship and love one another. That word koinonia, that blue circle, means fellowship. Uh, that, that's what that, that, sorry, the word in the middle means koinonia, fellowship. Someone once said to me, what is fellowship? You know, the world doesn't understand what fellowship is. That's Christianese. You know what Christianese is, right? It's like Christian speak that the world doesn't quite get. And we were, we were talking about it, and he said, I, I don't think the church should, should use that word fellowship. I mean, that's a word that's like, that one should be retired from Christian speak. And so I, I thought that was an interesting conversation. Well, not, not much Longer after that, I went to a celebration of life for someone. I was just attending it, attending it. It was someone who had struggled with addiction for years and years and years. They had passed away. Um, and they had been part of the AA program. And so there was lots of people at this celebration of life who had been part of the AA program. And so they had a time where they just opened up the mic and different people got up and began to share about the, the person who had passed away and what that person had meant to them and all this stuff. And they kept using this word, fellowship. They're like, oh, the fellowship that we shared. Oh, it was awesome. And they would tell story after story and honor their deceased friend and reaffirmed in the midst of that their shared struggles with addiction, reaffirmed in the midst of his passing away, the, the relationship that they had and the importance of their weekly gatherings that they shared fellowship with one another. And I thought, man, this is weird. Here, here I've been having this conversation that this is a word that should get retired from Christian speak. But these people understand exactly what fellowship is and they value it and they love it. And hearing them talk like that makes me think that sometimes us, the church, you and I, make the mistake of dumbing down certain Christian concepts or words uh, to our own loss. To our own loss of understanding what God wants to do. And you know, uh, sometimes you might say with with a heart to be relevant, the, the church can deprive itself of some of the beautiful things that the scripture speaks about that God does in the midst of his people. 
I think fellowship's one of those words. And so this morning, I just wanted to talk a little bit about fellowship and then share with you some of the things I'm thinking for the, the new year that I think the Lord's put on my heart. You know, if we turn to the book of Genesis, I'm going to move around a bit so the text will be on the, on the screen when, when there are uh, certain ones. But in the beginning, in the book of Genesis, Adam was placed in the, in the garden to enjoy friendship and to enjoy communion with God. Uh, his relationship with the Lord was one that was totally unhindered. You know, before he and Eve did the whole rebellion against God thing, there was no obstruction to their relationship with the Lord. Isn't that beautiful just to think about it? You know, they, they walked with the Lord. The word that I always think of when I consider the Genesis relationship that Adam shared with the Lord is the word harmony. They had harmony. Peace. Uh, friendship, uh, understanding, accord between them. There's, theirs was a fellowship. The, the, minute, the relationship that God had with Adam and with Eve was one of symmetry. In the New Testament, that word fellowship, the one that's in the middle of that blue circle, has a distinctly spiritual meaning. It is that Greek word koinonia, and uh, it's kind of a fluid word. It's a little bit dynamic. It's one that you can't really put your finger on to describe what it is because it's a work of the Spirit when you talk about uh, koinonia. You know, we translate koinonia in different places in our Bible to be the word fellowship. We translate it to be the word communication or to share with one another. It's translated to contribute. When, when Paul talked about different churches taking up offerings. They'll use that. You, you sent us a contribution. That's, that's the word koinonia. Uh, we even derive the English word community from koinonia. Re recently, you know, Al's dad was here, Jack, and, and we were just yapping about it. And he used this phrase, community of the spirit. And to me, it, it stuck with me. I thought, yeah, that's, that's almost how you would describe koinonia. It's a community of the spirit. If we look at the scriptures, cruising around different spots, you know, the, the word of God just tells us that those who have fellowship with Christ should enjoy fellowship with other believers. A, a communion, a relationship, a fellowship that illustrates the very nature of God himself. The word of God tells us that Jesus is the true vine. And that believers must abide in him if they would bear fruit. And that those who walk in the light of Jesus Christ have to walk in light with one another and love one another. And so, you know, we would say true fellowship just from the scriptures is demonstrated in concern for and, and practical commitment to one another. Now, nowhere do you see that better than in Acts chapter 2. At the birth of the church. They, you know, in Acts chapter 2, you know, you, we read the, the account of the Holy Spirit being poured out on the 120 believers who were there. They were there in the upper room, in the place of prayer, seeking the Lord, waiting to be clothed with power from on high. They received from God a, a baptism of fire. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues, and that morning is... is the crowds around them were wondering what the heck was going on with these people. 
Peter stood up, and in the power of the Holy Spirit, he proclaimed the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He explained to them that they had been filled with the Spirit as Joel, the prophet, had prophesied, as Jesus had promised would happen. 3,000 people who heard that message that day uh, responded and believed and were saved and were uh, baptized to publicly acknowledge their, their confession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that Pentecost morning in Jerusalem, the church was born. That's the story of Acts chapter 2. The church was born in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, tells us just really beautifully how that early church functioned and what happened to these people that were born into the kingdom of God and how they related to one another. And so I want to read to you from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. If you want, you can turn there in your Bibles. If not, it's on the screen. It says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. That's the word koinonia. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the koinonia, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts and praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I mean, isn't that beautiful? It's a great piece of scripture about what God was doing in the midst of his church. You know, you, you, you read that passage and you go, wow. Something beautiful was happening there. A, a work of the Spirit of God that was very appealing to those who were on the outside. Day by day, people were being saved. You know, I, I read that and I think, man, it's just natural. Kind of organic, you know. Pesticide and chemical-free church. No GMO. Okay? No man's got in there and mucked with the DNA here. The genetic... This is a work of the Spirit as you read Acts chapter 2. And God added daily to their number those who were being saved. It's exciting stuff. And one of the things that you see in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 happening amongst the people is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer... And, and to the breaking of bread was that they were also developed, uh, devoted to the fellowship, the koinonia. The church was like a brotherhood, a sisterhood. As they shared Christ, their friendships became more like family. You know, as they, as they shared Christ, it, it, yeah, it was just a sense of family amongst God's people. A sense of community and and oneness that was brought about by the work of the Spirit. You know, the Apostle John in 1 John also talked about the importance of koinonia as it pertains to following Jesus Christ. And he's kind of forceful. You know, we're going to read these verses. I mean, he's kind of forceful even about how he describes that as we have fellowship with God, we have to have fellowship with people. He says in 1 John 1.3, that which 
you have seen that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have koinonia with us. And indeed, our koinonia is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And then a couple verses down, he says this in 1 John verse 6 and 7. If we say we have koinonia with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have koinonia with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Yeah, I love our church. I'm thankful for CTK. I'm thankful for you. I hope you love this church. I hope you, I hope you have a sense of family and being welcomed uh, here in this place and experience the grace of God and, and love one another. And you know, I think uh, the sense of family and community and that heart to, to share with one another, uh, to, to care for one another, comes from meeting with Jesus Christ. You know, the starting point is Jesus. That's what John is saying. You know, someone proclaimed to us the good news. We heard about their fellowship that they had with God. We believed the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And in repentance, we turned from our sin. And in faith, we turned to the Lord Jesus. And we began to experience fellowship with God. And in that relationship was born with people. We entered into fellowship with other people who had that same reality with Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul says, or John says, Jesus is the starting point. But Paul said something cool too, and I want you to turn here in your Bibles, if you would, with me, to Philemon. Just a little one-pager. It's before the book of Hebrews. If you blink, you'll miss it. It's kind of like spasm. Philemon. Paul in this letter to Philemon talked about the importance and the role of koinonia in deepening, and under, deepening our understanding and our maturity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Philemon verse 6. This is a great verse. He says this, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Something caught me off guard this week when I was actually studying just the concept of koinonia. And it was this verse right here. Because every time I read this verse, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. I always think of evangelism. I always read that and say, yes, that's right. When you're working to communicate the gospel to someone, you get this sense of having a greater understanding of what you have actually received in Christ Jesus, in salvation. What struck me is this, is that the word in verse 6, sharing, is koinonia. And so it could be translated different ways. Like I said, it's kind of a dynamic, fluid word. But the NASB says it this way. That same verse, you could follow along. And I pray that the fellowship of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Koinonia. It, sharing, communication, but also fellowship. 
And I was, dis- I was just surprised to find that word right there. You know, that through fellowship with one another, it, it's, yes, it is sharing the gospel, but it's also this. Through fellowship with one another, the body of Christ, we also come to understand every good thing that we have in Jesus. Solomon said it this way. This iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. The author of Hebrews uh, said it this way. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Look, one of the ways that we communicate the gospel to the world is through the fellowship that we observe as the body of Christ. Jesus said this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Right at the heart of the relationship with the Lord is love. Love for God. Love for others. Koinonia. That fellowship speaks to the world. You know, going, going it alone just isn't a skill or a value in the kingdom of God. The strength, you know, I just think of the trees around here. I was thinking about Mount Elphinstone and the forest and the beauty as you look up there. And those big, massive evergreen. You know, the strength of those trees is in the fact that they stand together. You know, isolate one tree and cut down all the rest around it. And, you know, that tree having its chance of surviving very long isn't going to, it's not going to stand year after year after year. It's strength against the wind and against the weather and all those things is that they stand together. And you and I, we're, we're not islands alone unto the Lord. Uh, this year we've had uh, a lot of fun coaching hockey. You guys know I coach hockey. I coach both my boys. And uh, Jonah's reached peewee age. He's second year. And all these years of hockey, it's been Individual skill, individual skill, individual skill, individual skill, which is great. But it's a team game. As my wife likes to say, there's no I in team when she's balling her kids out. Um, and it's been awesome to watch these kids who after year after year after year focus on individual skill have begun to function together as a team and they're kicking butt. They're in first place out of 17 teams on the North Shore and all stuff. Yes, it's good to be on a winning team. But it, it, it's because they're working together. And in a similar way, you know, God has placed us into the body of Christ. The hand, the hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. You know, the knee can't say to the elbow, you don't have any value, get lost. No, each part belongs to all the others. All different functions. All different individuals, diverse, whatever, but all belonging to one another. Unity in the midst of diversity. Paul talked about that even in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where I won't get you to turn there, but, but you know that famous passage about communion where he's bawling out the Corinthians for dishonoring the Lord's Supper and somebody rushing ahead and not waiting and all that thing, and he, uh, all these things, and he says, look, there is one bread and we are one body. 
just illustrating that that fellowship with Christ knits us together as one family. And when we grasp this, you know, it's just kind of easy when you're going through 1 Corinthians to understand why Paul was so ticked as he's writing and bawling these guys out. Because while they were claiming to follow Christ, they weren't caring for one another. Someone was rushing ahead. Others were being left out. And Paul finally said to them, look, the way you guys do it, you're not really eating the Lord's Supper. For Paul, koinonia was the term that he, he used to describe the unity that exists between Christians by virtue of the fact that they share in the grace of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when Paul uh, had his little battle with Peter in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 15, and there was all this discussion about the Gentiles and what do we do with these guys and where do they fit in the church and we don't know what to do. And all the church leaders got together and they began to discuss what, what you know, we got Jews and we got Gentiles. What, what are the rules here that we need? And they decided on grace. And they worked through their stuff. And Paul said, man, we gave the right hand of koinonia. We gave the right hand of fellowship to James and to Peter and these guys. We worked through it. Because we follow Christ, we made the relationships work. We share in the grace of the gospel of Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul says this in, in that Philemon passage. He, he says, uh, sorry, and I pray that, that the sharing of your faith may become effective. Become effective. See, effectiveness as a Christian, we know it's not something that you just instantly have. Being effective in following Christ is something that you grow into, that, that you're trained by the Lord in the midst of. What is the goal? You and I want to be effective for Christ. Effective for our King, like good soldiers. Anybody want to be ineffective? Have, have no effect on the world around us. No, we want to be effective. Jesus spoke about that. He called it fruitfulness. He said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Look, Paul prayed for Philemon. And he said, part of you becoming effective for the Lord is that you grow in fellowship. Part of you being effective for the kingdom of God is that you share koinonia with the people of God. From that place of abiding in Christ, you grow those relationships. And then he said, you'll grow in the knowledge of every good thing that is ours for the sake of Christ Jesus. You know, we should uh, desire to serve Jesus from a, a, a place of knowledge, you know? Not lacking knowledge. We want, we want to operate with having a full deck, you know what I'm saying? You know, that's that term that we used to make fun of someone that has, you know, mental deficiencies. They're not playing with a full deck. There are Christians, many Christians, who don't operate with a full deck. They're still becoming something. And koinonia is a way by which God works by his spirit to use the body of Christ 
to help you discover all that you have in Christ. Now, all this teaching about koinonia has a little bit of a purpose. Nothing, nothing major, but you know, I, I was in a personal time of prayer, maybe six weeks back, maybe a little further back. And I was just thinking ahead to the new year, and I was thinking about small groups and different things in our church and that we've run. And, you know, the way that we've always gone about things is this, is that I, I plan and organize a bunch of discipleship stuff and small groups, and then we throw up the sign-up sheets, and it's, hey, whoever plugs in, plugs in, and it's cool. Some people busy, this, that, whatever. And, you know, as I was praying about the coming new year and just rebooting some stuff, because uh, we had a quieter year with that. I felt like the Lord said to me really clearly, why do you do sign-up sheets? That's how the Lord often talks to me with questions because I'm a little slow learner. Why do you do sign-up sheets? Don't do that. Just put everyone in a home group. And I thought, oh, wow, okay. Um, and so what I felt from the Lord was this, is, it's not something mandatory, but was to create a structure and a framework in our church so that everybody has a place. Everybody has a place, a spot, where if they so desired, they could attend a midweek place to fellowship, to have koinonia, to grow in relationship. And, you know, my desire is just that everyone would have a place to go, that every person who comes through the door of CTK would be able to receive an invite to, a, to a, a small group Bible study where they're welcome, where they can be cared for, and if they don't want to come, that's all cool, no sweat off anybody's back, no pressure on you, but as a church that we would at least have the structure and framework to care for everyone. And, and in praying about it, I just said, man, um, again, you know, I'm not a programs guy. I don't even like using the term home groups, man. I'm like, some things just get overused. I, as we were talking about his leadership, we just said, let's call it koinonia. That's all it is. It's fellowship. It's the body of Christ getting together and, and loving on one another where they can mutually care for one another and pray and love and have that community of the spirit. And so the vision for the new year is this. To have enough midweek home groups for every single person in this church to at least have a place to attend if they so wanted to. And so we've been working on just putting some of that together. And the structure is going to look a little bit like this. And so I just planted some seeds with you, okay? As you can see on those posters, we're going to launch on January 15th, which is a Wednesday night. You know, on Wednesday nights, we have gathered for a time of corporate prayer here. It's been what we do at our church. At different times, we've messed with that, and we've adjusted it, and had teaching times, or whatever. And as we prayed, I just thought, man, let's move the prayer from one central spot into some different spots, and maybe more people will be involved with that. And so the plan is just on Wednesday nights, at 7, different homes, Time of coffee, time of prayer, a time of fellowship, a time of wrestling through some of the things that have been taught on Sunday. In fact, the format that we're going to use is just to have a leader in the group facilitate discussion based on the Sunday morning message from the previous week. So if it was 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, 
Wednesday night, the discussion is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and you get to come with your questions and just work through it. And just the, the purpose being that you would, each of us, have you know, that fellowship, that koinonia, that encouragement, that care for one another, time of prayer, church health, just connect with one another. And so this is what we did. We took the church directory. I said, Brian, take the church directory, map out where every family is in this church. Let's see where these guys are. And so we took the directory and uh, mapped it out. You got that? Other, oh, there we go. He threw it up already. He's cheating on me. And so we're going to launch six home groups. They're all organized except for one. It's just a hair of tweaking yet. We're going to have one in Cedar Grove, Roberts Creek, Creekside, Lower, the Landing, the Grandview area, and Park Road. There'll be a leader in that group, and he'll call you and say, you're invited Wednesday night. Come join us. If you're free, open, blank check. You do what you want. And what we're going to do is go for uh, 13 weeks, starting January 15th. We're going to go three weeks on in the group, one week off. In the off week, we're going to meet right back here on Wednesday night for corporate prayer like we've always done. And then on week uh, 13, going to just have a potluck dinner, hangout time with, with your group. And uh, that's the plan. Sound cool? Yeah. yeah. And so I just, I just sense from the Lord, that's where the Lord's taken us that we just grow in our care for one another, grow in our relationship with one another. And, you know, one of the things that happened in Acts chapter 2 was this. As they did that, as they prayed and studied the word and met together and ate food and drank good coffee, loved on one another, the world observed and they saw the love between God's people and they were attracted to it. And so I'm encouraging you to do this. Invite your neighbors. Invite your friends. Uh, Bring out whoever you want to bring out. And, um, and so, you know, six groups actually isn't enough for this church. Uh, the plan was that we just wanted, we wanted them to be full. So groups are going to have like 20 to 25 people in them. And if 50% show up, then you got a nice size small group. And if you all show up, then some people are sitting on the floor. And, uh, and so I, I want to encourage you just as... as we look ahead to January here to plug into that, to find, to find a spot. And um, we're going we're gonna to put you into a group. Don't think that, that that's not, it's just we have to have some structure and some organization, okay? So um, if you're not in the church directory, then in the weeks to come, you need to make sure that you talk with me so that we can kind of connect you into one of the spots. And that's the direction we just sense the Lord. I sense the Lord's leading us as a church to grow in that care for one another and that sense of fellowship. Is that cool? If you got any questions, come talk to me about it. Let's pray. And I'm going to send you guys out of here. Lord Jesus, we just we thank you for the church, God. It's a, it's a mystery. You cruise the pages of the Old Testament and you won't find the church because it was a work that Jesus Christ did. It's his body. And Jesus is the head of the church. You're the great shepherd, Lord, the head of this body. You're my pastor. You're everyone else's pastor here, Lord. And our desire, Jesus, is as we uh, seek to follow you and pursue you and grow in the knowledge of who you are, is that we grow in our ability to love for and care for one another and, and be an example to the community around us. And Lord, we pray that as a church, you just... Make us more loving for one another, 
for you, for the lost. And God, as we, we talk about koinonia and growing in fellowship, Father, we pray that, um, that you just have your hand on this, Lord. I sense that it is. And so, God, we ask for a work of the Spirit to happen here. In faith, God, that you would work in our hearts and in our church and do something just beautiful and fresh. And so, Lord, I thank you for your people. I pray your blessing upon them this morning. We thank you for your church, Lord, that you have brought us into the family of God. And uh, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you this morning.